Hello, hello everybody if you're just joining us. Uh, I'll be joined by Jared from um, Actors Approach Craft Technique Toolbox in just a second. And we're going to be doing a workshop all about um, Stanislavski and uh, some skills from Stanislavski's toolbox that we'll be sharing with you. We're going to be talking particularly about subtext and action in this evening. So, um, hi, if you've just joined us, we're going to get cracking with the workshop just in a little minute. We're just waiting for uh, Jared to come along. So thank you so much for joining us. We will be making this as interactive as possible. We want this to add as much value to you guys as we possibly can. And um, yeah, we're really, really looking forward to you hopefully joining us. And Jared has just joined us now. We'll be welcoming Jared in in just a second. Just a second. Um, and we've got a ton, a ton of stuff to share with you guys tonight. So hope you're excited for it. Or this afternoon. Hi, Jared. How you doing? Yeah. How's your day been? Are you, are you having a good day? Yeah, yeah, good day so far. Weather is still crazy here. Oh man, man lightning, thunder all day. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh man, man. Well, just just standard foggy yeah. Scottish weather in these parts. But um, but thank Cheers, you. Good to see you. Cheers, man. Yeah, really nice to see you as well. Um, thank you very much for joining us, everybody that's, that's jumped into our Instagram live today. I was just explaining, Jared, how we want to make this as, as valuable and as meaningful for people as possible and hopefully interactive tonight as well. We're going to, we're going to be running various exercises throughout tonight and uh, we really hope that you have some, some fun with us. Um, I, I don't know about you, Jared, but recently I've been getting a lot of people asking me what's the best thing they can do as actors in this situation, right? That, that, um, you know, obviously we're in this, this strange times and that people are in quarantine or lockdown and, and things are restricted in the industry somewhat and we're seeing some changes. And of course, people can go off and do their own projects. They can go off and, um, you know, be trying to uh, still obtain roles and things like that. But for me, one of the biggest, biggest things people can be doing right now when they do have time on their hands is skill acquisition. And like, I know you're so, so passionate about that as well. And when you do a little introduction to yourself in a little minute, maybe you can share some of your experience yet you have in skill acquisition. But to me, skill acquisition is something that, that never disappears. And if you can come to the other side of this uh, strange times that we're, we're in with tons and tons of new skills as an actor, you're going to put yourself in a really strong position. Um, but yeah, what, what's your thoughts on that, Jared? Yeah, very strong thoughts about it. You know, a lot of times actors and students that I interact with under normal conditions, they say, I just don't have any time. I don't have enough time. I don't have the time to take this class. I'm, 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 I'm working and I'm trying to do this and I just don't have time to grow as an actor. And in this mm -hmm. time of restriction and quarantine and lockdown, you have so many more hours available to you in the day that if you're not taking advantage of it as an, as an actor, as an artist, if you're not working on your craft, you're, you're missing an opportunity. So yeah, read books, watch movies, watch plays, take online classes, start writing, write that screenplay, write that play that you've always wanted to, that idea that's in your mind. You have an idea for a musical, but you just haven't had time to sit down at the piano or pick up the guitar to do it. Take the time to just work on your craft. Yeah, and of course, come and join Instagram lives like, like this. And uh, well, well done to you guys who joined us tonight to, to jump in and add some new skills or maybe refresh some skills that you already had. So 
Um, we've got a ton of stuff we want to we want to jump into over this next little while, Jared. Right? Um, and, and Instagram cuts us off after an hour, so we have really got to get. To <laughs> yeah, we learned that last time. Yeah, we're just going to start to touch the surface of the world of Stanislavski tonight, right? We're going to be in particular looking at subtext and action, and we're going to share a little bit of our experience, uh, each individual's experience, and we're going to pipe in with each other, and we're going to have some exercises going on that hopefully these guys can get involved with as well, right? Sure. Great. Um, so uh, we'll just jump right in to start with with some uh, chat about subtext. So please, guys, use the comment section that we've got here tonight. Ask any questions, please. We want you to get involved as much as possible um, in what we're sharing tonight. But um, from my understanding of subtext, it, it was a really eye-opening moment for me as an actor when I, when I first started to really understand the significance of it and the importance of it and how I can add to my craft as an actor through looking at the subtext of a script. I guess there was a time in my acting life, I guess before I started doing proper training and things, that I just thought the script was was the thing, right? That, that I, I didn't fully realize just how much life could be breathed in beyond just the, the words that I saw on the page. And then I started to, to do some work of, of Stanislavski and I heard things like that he, he believed that only 10% of um, actually what's being spoken is the words that's actually being written on a page and that 90% of it is underneath the, the, the text. And I thought, whoa, that, that is quite an exciting thought. And, and, and from there, I, I remember this quote as well, and I'm probably paraphrasing slightly, but it's like the people don't pay to see the script, they pay to see what, what lies, they pay to see the subtext essentially, they pay to see what lies underneath, what happens within the spaces, what happens in the, the life underneath, because if we think about it, guys, if you showed up to see a play where everybody could say what they wanted to say, where everybody could get what they wanted within the first five minutes, it would be quite a short play. It would be like, I love you. Okay. And end, end play. <laughs> so I think that's just like life, isn't it? There's so much as human beings that we fail to be able to communicate, that we fail to be able to put across. Um, and we end up having these these awkward conversations, this bit of small talk, these random things that come out of our mouths. And really, really, as, as human beings, we're always trying to read under the surface and be like, what's that person really meaning? And in acting, it is no different at all. Would you, would you agree, Jared? Yeah, I'm just sitting here quiet, enjoying listening to you talk about that. <laughs> I, I, I totally agree. I, I look at it from this perspective where if the actor while on stage, and we'll just talk about stage for right now, but if the actor while on stage only brings to life the literal interpretation of the words without any nonverbal subtext unspoken, then what the audience actually experiences while they're watching the play is probably very similar to what they would experience if they were home on the couch reading the play themselves. And yep. you're absolutely right. We are transformed as audience members when we get to experience the truth on the stage. And that truth is not just the words, right? It is the words, but it's also so much of the unspoken. It's the mm. energy, the energy between the people. It's the, it's the look, it's the, the body language. It's the unspoken. It's how the words are delivered that may not necessarily ring true, which then reveal that there's something beneath the words. So yeah, I think it's the actor's sincere obligation or responsibility to look at the script and identify opportunities where the words share the thought, but not necessarily the truth that 
that lies beneath that thought. And the subtext oh. does that. And so then how do you bring that to life? You know, that's part of what we're going to be talking about today is once you intellectually examine and make a determination what that subtext is, how? How do you bring that to life? How do you make sure that at least the audience picks up on it? There's something else going on here. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I guess also we'll look a little bit into how text can kind of be laced with little clues as well, little little ways in, little hidden things that uh, might put you in certain directions. It's not until you take a closer or microscopic look at things, you go, yep. oh, I would have missed that in the first reading. You know, and, and then you can pick up more and more about your character as well. But it wasn't until I started to engage in the, the wonderful world of subtext that I started to cement my ideas about objectives as an actor, getting ideas about what my character really wants. I, I think Stanislavski could even, you know, believes that, right? That this is how to unlock your objectives as an actor is to look at the, the, the subtext as well. Um, so it's a really exciting place um, to be looking at. So I guess our first exercise we're going to do all together tonight, guys, is, is Jared and I tonight, throughout tonight, we're going to do a little bit of like acting for you guys. It's not something we've rehearsed. It's not something that we, we practice or anything like that, but we're purely doing it from the basis of looking at subtext, okay? And looking what might lie underneath. We have picked two texts for you this evening that we're going to do some exercises with. The first one being uh, The Homecoming by Harold Pinter. And there's a particular reason why we chose this, this, this text. And it's a very short extract that we'll share with you. Um, but there's just tons and tons that is going on underneath the surface between these two characters. And we'd like you to really get engaged and um, let us know what you think is going on in, in this short scene that we're, we're going to share with you in a little minute. However, I see we've got a little comment there, uh, Jared. I, I maybe missed it. What, what have we got here? It's the pause. Uh, we have Elma, Elma Da Ben. Um, it's the pauses, it's the sigh, it's the hands, fingers even, it's the energy of the character. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And that, that's, not, that's not the words, right? That's everything in between the words, on top of, beneath, between, below. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, and, it's very true. Yeah. If you, and, and if you joined us on our last chat, we were talking about that, the importance of behavior over the words as well, right? The, the, um, just how much of our communication is read into from behavior alone, you know? Um, and how, how much behavior will come from Jared and I's scene that we're, we're, <laughs> we're waiting to do just now? Um, I, I don't know. We'll have to see. But what we're really looking at here, guys, what the objective is, what we'd like you to be focused on, and we'd love to have a chat about this, is what do you think lies underneath this scene? The two characters that are in this scene, what do you think lies underneath? What do you think they're really trying to say to each other in this short extract? So, um, Jared, I attempted, yeah, I attempted to paste to do the copy paste, but it just didn't. It didn't go. Well, right. so we're trying I, to break some um, mad technological limits here on Instagram. So this is this is a uh, low tech. That's it's pretty low form. tech. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, the only thing is I'm getting it backwards, which is like cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> if people can read back, maybe some people can read backwards. I don't know. We're, yeah, we're trying to find a way to store the text so that we want to um, be doing it for you guys tonight. <clears throat> However, we, we might be unsuccessful with that. Like, like technology, we're just we're learning bits and bobs as we go, aren't we, Jared? So, yeah, um, sure. so you just have to listen really intently to this, I guess, right? They just have to listen to those guys. Sure. Yeah. There's another um, comment about uh, also making choices while acting. And I, I, I'd love to 
talk a little bit more. Uh, it says, uh, Jared Matthew, um, what, what do you mean when you say choices? Because there are, that word choices is defined differently depending upon which school of thought um, you're coming from. So leave a, a thought or a comment about what you mean by choices, and then we could jump into that a little bit later too. Fantastic. Um, so we're going to dive into this, this scene now, guys. Uh, you may know this play already. You may not know this play. You may be coming at it with completely no context whatsoever. I think either way is absolutely fine because you're just listening to the moment that we're sharing with you right now. Um, but we will give you a bit of context as to who we're playing a little bit. Um, I might just read this first part, Jared, this, this stage directions that we've got at the start. Yeah, it, it might just be helpful for people to sort of place where we are right now. So um, Jared will be playing the part of Max and I'll be playing the part of Lenny in this scene. So it says, evening. Lenny is sitting on the sofa with a newspaper, a pencil in his hand. He wears a dark suit. He makes occasional marks on the back page. Max comes in, who happens to be the father of Lenny. This is um, Lenny's father that's coming in. From the direction of the kitchen, he goes to the sideboard, opens the top drawer, rummages in it, closes it. He wears an old cardigan and a cap and carries a stick. He walks downstage, stands, looks about the room. What have you done with the scissors? And there's a long pause, right? Every time I stop, I'm just following the pauses in the text. I said I'm looking for the scissors. What have you done with them? Did you hear me? I want to cut something out of the paper. I'm reading the paper. Not that paper. I haven't read that paper. I'm talking about last Sunday's paper. I was just having a look at it in the kitchen. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm, 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 I'm talking to you. Where are the scissors? Why well, don't you shut up, you daft prat? Don't talk to me like that. I'm warning you. There's an advertisement in the paper about flannel vests. Cut price, navy surplus, I could do with a few of them. I think I'll have a fag. Give me a fag. I just asked you to give me a cigarette. L look, look what I'm lumbered with. I'm getting old, my word of honor. You think I wasn't a tearaway? I could have taken care of you twice over. I'm still strong. Okay, great. And that is the that is the scene between Max and Lenny there. So we, we to recap, we had a lot of like talk about scissors, that Max wanted some scissors from Lenny. Um he seemed to be wanting a lot from him. So First of all, we would really love you guys to, to share with us. What, what was your idea as to what you thought was going on underneath that scene? For a start, Lenny in that scene said very little at all. But then was that in itself saying something, if you, if you get me? Like, what, what, what did you get from that? We had a father and a son. The father seemed to be requesting a lot of things from him. What, what did he want, Jared? He wanted some scissors. He wanted a cigarette. 
Yeah. The, the, Looking the, for the, the, uh, the ad in the paper. Yep. He didn't get much of a reply from from his uh, from his son, other than he's reading the paper. Yep. And um, why don't you shut up? <laughs> it was his two and replies. The oh. interesting thing is that nearly every other line there's a, a distinct pause you know so uh, all right it's backwards i apologize but you can see pause pause you know another one it's there's pause and pause so mm. if we're if we're being faithful to what the playwright's clues are in guiding us when we have certain pauses and certain punctuation it should give us pause to as an actor as we're doing our script analysis to just stop and think is the character saying what they intended to say, or is the character stopping, processing, and changing thought, saying something else, maybe not expressing everything, every bit of the truth in that particular moment? Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, it's the job of the actor along with the director to dissect that and determine within those pauses, what's the intention? Is it there to create some sort of tension between the other actor to incite some sort of a response? Is it a moment where the, the character is having a change of thought and they decide based upon what's happening between the two characters, decide to take the conversation in a different direction and maybe approach that particular objective sometime later. Mm -hmm. But if we just blow past the pauses, blow past the full stops, blow past the ellipses, blow past all the punctuation, Adam, that I know you're gonna talk about in a minute, then we're not being faithful to what the playwright's original intention is. And certainly we, we want to start there, leverage that good information from the script, doing that script analysis and, and looking at the punctuation, and then ultimately through that, make intelligent decisions about what that means to us from a subtextual perspective as an actor to help tell the story that you and the director you know hope to bring to life. 100%. Yeah, no, totally, totally. And, I, and I, think, I think that's it, isn't it? You get the pressure as an actor, you see this pause in a script and you think, what do I do with it? It's to spoil the flow of my, my, my thought. I want to say something else or something, but you have to be so faithful to it. If it's prescribed by the writer, by the playwright, you're doing them a disservice if you gloss over that information. We picked a Pinter piece because he is very famous for his use of pauses, right? He uses them, uh, it, it even gets called the Pinter pause. He uses it very, very frequently indeed. And quite often his characters are in quite absurd situations in situations where there's there's a lot a lot going on underneath the surface as opposed to the words that's being spoken um and yeah he uses it quite quite heavily we've had a couple of comments about yeah. what people thought was going on in the scene there maybe the scissors were a murder weapon oh my goodness me it's possible sure. you get this, this feeling of this toxic masculinity that this battle don't you almost between the the, the father and the son they're almost um, fighting for, for placement. Who, who's the strongest? Who's the alpha male here? And they're maybe saying, this is uh, a weather threatening thing. Yeah, they, they could be. They, I, look, this quote has been attributed to both Stanislavski and Anton Chekhov. Regardless of where it comes from, it's a really interesting point that if there is a rifle hanging on the wall in the first act, it better go off in act three, otherwise get rid of the rifle, right? What's it actually there for? And so, yeah, you know, you sort of look at those scissors as, oh, is that the red herring? Is that is that gonna come back to haunt, you know, to haunt us later on in the play? Yeah, and at the beginning of the play, we, we don't know. And in the words, right, we get, he wants to cut something out of the paper, but instantly, I think that's great, Jarrett uh, Matthews, Instantly, you're getting this feeling there might be violence within this scene, underlying, sure. underneath. Yeah, um, we have um, Elmer de Ben 
Uh, where does this hatred come from? So the element of it is getting, getting this hatred just from those words. I mean, the sons, so picking up on the sons, he must have a dis- disappointment in him. That is really interesting that you picked up on that. Oh, and Nareen's here. Hi, Nareen. Hey, Nareen. <laughs> um, it's really interesting because the son, Lenny, said very little. Two lines there. But what you were reading into that was there was hatred, there was disappointment. All he was doing was reading this paper, right? But from his silence, we can pick up, well, there's a reason that he's being silent. He's not being silent because he hasn't had any lines written by the <laughs> by the writer at that point. He's ha- He's got no lines at that point for a reason. Right. And I actually think that in this battle, I mean, this battle for masculinity to be the alpha male, Jared, who, who do you think kind of wins at the end of the scene here? And, and you guys, please let us know as well in the comments, who do you think wins in this scene? Yeah, yeah look, uh, I, I feel like the character that I was reading, Max, uh, was not holding the power stick at the end, right? He was trying to prove, you know, hey, back when I was younger, I used to be this man of bravado, this tearaway. And so mm. if I actually still held the power, if, if that balance of power was still tipped in my, you know, in my direction, I wouldn't need to share that. So yeah, it feels like in that particular moment at the end, Lenny's the one holding that power stick. I think so, by doing very little, by doing nothing, by reading this paper, right? And and quite possibly the, the tactics, the ways that Max is trying to get a reaction from Lenny, well, it might have worked once upon a time when he was younger, when he, um, I don't know, sure. maybe when Max was stronger, bigger than him or whatever, but in this instance, now he, yeah, he seems to be a bit of an older man or whatever, that maybe Lenny's the more powerful, strong male in this, this room that they're in, that he just needs to do very little at all, you know, to, to get the power. You, you brought something up that I want to circle back to, that just because the playwright did not write lines for a character in a given moment while they're on stage does not mean that they don't have thoughts and it does not mean that they don't have something to say. The character is just choosing, right? This is the what the actor's interpretation should be, that the character is choosing to not express verbally what's going on inside of them. And then therefore, through behavior, subtext, energy, the exuding of that particular energy. So Stanislavski talked about invisible rays, right? The energy that just exudes from people, all of that, needs to be uh, the focus of the characters when they don't mm. have the lines, right? So just because yeah. you don't have something to say doesn't mean you don't have something to say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and we talked about that in our, our last chat as well, right? About is it ever possible to do nothing on the stage? It is 100% not possible at all. We're always doing something, right? If you don't have the lines, if you haven't, that doesn't matter. You're always, always coming from a place of what do I want to achieve in this scene? Um, you could speak at any moment. The audience need to believe that you could speak at any moment. Some great stuff going on in this chat here, Jared. Hannah, I'm thinking there's some tension in the relationship between the father and the son. The father seems to be trying to make amends. Um, perhaps more background to the characters would give us an idea why. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's great. A piece of great writing, right? That makes you that that is actually the start of the play. That it's sure it's a you. weird play, though, right? It's weird. It's, it's, it's a strange I mean, absurd it, play. It's a good, it's a good weird. Yeah, 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 but it's, it's very absurd if you do read that play, if you haven't already. Yeah. Um, it's a very strange ending, but, but instantly you want to know more about these characters. You get that tension, you're like, wh- where, where does this tension come from? Where, where did it all appear from? So, fantastic, excellent. And I think the sun might win, um, says Janet. Excellent. So, um, we talked a little bit about those pauses there. Um, and I guess it's worth saying as well, I, when I was looking a little bit into the Pinter pause uh, in preparation, for this, I came across um, 
this idea that there can be three different silences, believe it or not. Like the um, the examples were given of an ellipsis, a pause, and a silence, right? An ellipsis being maybe a slight hesitation, those three dots that you might see in a script. The script we're going to do in a little minute has that, those three dots. A pause, as you were saying, um, Jared, that, that maybe somebody's received what they're, they're talking about, they're having a little think about how they feel about that before they respond as well. And then Pinter often uses this as well, and many playwrights do the silence being a completely different thing, longer than the pause. It doesn't mean just as an actor that you sit there and wait for five minutes and, oh, then I'll speak. You have to be going through something in that silence. Like, why is there a silence? Why, when two people are talking in real life, is there a big long silence there? Well, well, perhaps they're just too far apart in their ideas of, of the world and their in their thoughts and they're really having to reevaluate how do I communicate with this person? Like how how do I get a, any fragment of my thoughts and my feelings across to this person and have them understand it, you know? I, I think if there's a silence, you're coming from a place you're maybe a little bit flummoxed by the whole situation. You just don't quite know an entry point into how to communicate with that other person. You try to figure it out, right? It creates the tension. Somebody just did, wrote, wrote here, it's great to be able to raise the tension from deep silences. And it's true. People don't like silence. That's why it's so uncomfortable in an elevator, right? Mm. Or, or a library. There's, there's so much tension and everybody feels so very uncomfortable when nobody's talking. And yeah. living, <laughs> living in the silence, it creates that beautiful tension. And then yeah. when you break it, it's a beautiful next moment. Absolutely. Only, only now in this in this current climate, we will never be in an elevator for the next uh, <laughs> three months. One at a time. We'll long for that silence in an elevator once further. Yeah. Hey, Andrew, thanks for the comment on the glasses. It's because I'm reading stuff tonight, and if I can't, I don't have my glasses on, I'm not going to be able to read at all. <laughs> but thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, thanks for joining us as well. So that was a bit on Pinter. We're going to go to something a bit more contemporary now. We're going to go uh, to a piece by Dennis Kelly. It's a play called Orphans. And I, I absolutely love this play. We, we won't give you any great context as to the, the background of this play. Um, other than there's a young man uh, that's shown up in the kitchen of his sisters. And his um, sister and her husband are enjoying a nice romantic meal. And this young man is turned up with a white T-shirt that is covered in blood. Okay, and that's, that's all, all we'll sort of share with you from the play just now, all right? Um, there's a particular reason that we, sh we picked this one out as well to share with you guys this evening, okay? And I'm going to read this, this short monologue. It's, it's from the, the brother that's just shown up in the kitchen, right? And um, he says a lot here. He says a lot. And I'm, I'm purely going to try and read it to be faithful to the punctuation that Dennis Kelly has written in this. And we're going to particularly look at the subtext of, of punctuation here. What can you read in as an actor from the punctuation that a writer gives you? What clues can you pick up from that? If you were a detective, and as we were saying, looking for clues within the text to give you clues about your character, what clues can you get from this character and the way he speaks? Now, you can't see the text, uh, guys, unfortunately, just due to our technical difficulties we're having. But I'll try and verbally do it for you so, so you get it, okay? And hopefully you'll pick up some of the punctuation here. So this is Liam from Orphans. Well, actually, before you start, what I'd, oh. like, what I'd like to ask everybody that's watching is give thought to what you think is going on inside Liam. How is he feeling? What is he trying to communicate? Because what I'd like you to do is type some 
some thoughts into the uh, into the comments, and we will pick up those comments, your thoughts, and I'm going to turn that into an acting exercise using actions with Adam. So you are going to help guide the direction of where this monologue goes after he reads it the first time. Great, fantastic. There we go. This country, it's just monsters and it's dark out there. Sorry I didn't knock, I used the key. I know it's just emergencies and stuff, but I thought this might actually be a bit of a, you know, and I was thinking, what have I knocked, hells? And you see me, it's like shock, someone like this, covered. But how do you not shock when you're covered? And then, then I panic because the door slams. That door, if you, if you let it go, doesn't it, Danny? If you let it go, it slams. And so I was going to call out, but then I thought, you'd shit your fucking bricks. And in your house, you know, condition and what you have, and you don't need to shit your fucking bricks in your condition. And I don't mean that to sound in a patronising way, because it's, it's not like you're ill, or you're, you're not ill, or like ill or something. It's not like that, but... If you still, if you heard someone in the hall shouting out, you'd shit your fucking, and that is not right. So I've been out there for about 15 minutes, really, not really knowing what to, you know, do. And that's it. So you might not pick that up. Um, <laughs> but like one that was a sentence. I was a real run-on sentence, wasn't it? There was a real, 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 there was hardly any guys full stops within that monologue there. What we were dealing with was quite a lot of comments. Um, and and um, yeah, we just like to put that out to you guys as well as getting prepared for uh, Jared's exercise we're just going to do in a little minute. But what does that mean? A character that has very little full stops and lots of commas, what, what does that tell you about that character? Maybe let me share your thoughts in the comments if you can. We'll share our thoughts in a little minute. Um, but if a character, you picked up a monologue for the first time, you're looking at it and, oh my goodness, there is like 10, 10 commas here before there's like a full stop. Anxiety, confusion, someone with a lot of running thoughts is Noreen. Lovely, lovely. Mm -hmm. Any other ideas, guys? So, so we see anxiety and confusion. How do you bring to life the state of being in a, in a state of anxiety, having anxiety. How do you create a sense of confusion? What is the actual process that an actor uses to take the concept, and I'll agree with you, okay, anxiety and confusion, great, let's, let's use it. What's the specific process that the actor I think, uh, Adam just froze on me. Oh, maybe he's coming oh. back. I think, uh, I've got a little circle around you as well there, Jared. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, can we, we can still hear each other, right? I, I just, yeah. um, Elmer the Ben there with a really nice call. The character sounds so decisive, but it's done intentionally. His voice was shaking. Maybe he was just pretending how decisive he, he was being, right? I love that. I love that. Like, he was saying so many words there. He was saying a lot, a lot of words. However, Quite often, the more words that somebody says, they're maybe hiding something. They're maybe, they're maybe not wanting to share something the right way. Because, and if you look really closely at the words this character's saying here, well, they're kind of non-sentences. They're, they're, I think you said, like, run-on sentences, right? Yep. That, like, he, he stops halfway through, like, uh, to the point where he doesn't even finish his sentence before he says the next thing. And I think, yeah, I think, I think this is a, 
a character who's trying to take control of a situation because he needs time to process, he needs time to think. And I think that's a real like, um, window into his thought process when he stops at the end to say, I don't know what to do. He doesn't know what's going on. Well, let's, let's go back to um, your question you posed there. We, we haven't yeah. got, because I think, yeah, we lost connection a little bit. So um, any thoughts on what, on what Jared was asking? How does an actor begin to approach that? How do you take the concept of anxiety or confusion or potentially being um, deceitful, um, lying, talking just because you don't want to share the truth? What do you do as an actor to bring that to life? And so in, in this exercise, we're going to be exploring one of Stanislavski's core principles called actions or actioning. And it starts off really, really simple. It's a very simple formula of I plus a verb and if you are faithful with delivering the lines however it makes you feel through a specific action i plus a verb you will deliver a specific message that is clearly articulated and clearly received and there's no confusion as to what's going on when when you follow the i plus a verb so that's the beginning part of it, I plus a verb, and then it expands, it grows to I plus a verb with a little adjective. So as an example, anxiety. If I'm going to use the action of I plus a verb to bring forth anxiety, I may look at an action like I panic. As opposed to saying, I'm frantic, right? I apostrophe M, I'm frantic. If you use the, the concept of I'm frantic, it's a state of being. How do you bring that to life? Most actors are going to behave in a way that's going to represent being in this frantic state, but it's, it's very predictable, it's quite boring, and it's exactly what everybody else is going to do, right? And so we don't want to bring to life a concept, a state of being. We wanna to bring to life through the actions some very specific point of view. So Adam, what I'll do, I'll, I'll come up with three different actions for you and okay when you say the monologue, I'm gonna snap periodically. And when I snap, I just want you to move to the next action in a cycle. And after you get to the third, when I snap again, you're just gonna go back to the beginning. So the first right. action is going to be, I panic. Okay. okay. Whatever that means to you. And then when I snap, I want you to go to the next action of, I pacify. Okay. okay, from I panic to I pacify. And mm -hmm. then the third one is I deceive. Okay, okay. Panic, I, panic, pacify, deceive. I panic, I pacify, I deceive. And there's no right or wrong. It's however your body interprets I panic, I pacify, I deceive. And the intention here in this exploration, and it's, it's not necessarily we're, we're not necessarily looking to try to figure out how to perform it. Right now in a rehearsal, we're trying to discover the truth of the text. And by going in this cycle and not pre-planning how specific lines are going to be, it gives you, the actor, the opportunity to stumble upon a moment in a way that you've never thought of before to help you gain new insights into the material. Great, great. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I think I, w I literally will be discovering this yeah. as I go and I'm making these new discoveries. So no, excited, yeah. excited to jump in and see. So, so panic, I, pacify, I panic, deceive. I pacify, I deceive. And so just Correct. 
uh, and I'll, I'll make a, a motion. Well, that that actually looks kind of cool. Um, I'll make a motion <laughs> so that you can see it in case while you're talking, you can't hear me. You'll, I'll, uh, I'll wait too. All right. Excellent. So okay. let's just see what happens. So you'll start off with I panic, whatever that does to you. This country is just monsters and, and it's darker there. Sorry, I didn't knock. I, I used the key. I, I know it's just emergencies and stuff, but I thought this might actually be the, you know, and, and I was thinking, what if I knocked else? And you see me, it's like shock, something like this, covered. And how do you not shock when you're covered? And then I panicked because the door slams. That door, if you let it go, doesn't it, Danny? If you let it go, it slams back. So I, I was going to call it. But then I thought, you'd you shit your fucking bricks. And in your hell's, you know, condition and what, what you have, you don't need to shit your fucking bricks in your condition. And I don't mean that to sound in a patronizing way because it's not like you're ill. You're, you, you're not ill. <laughs> or like you're ill or something. It's not, it's not like that. But still, if you heard someone in the hall shouting out, you just shit your fucking. And that's not right. So. I've been out there for like 15 minutes, really, not really knowing what to, you know, do. Okay. <laughs> good job. Yeah, good job. Yeah, you, you, you took the direction, you played along really, really well. How, how was Thanks, it for you? What, what did you experience? What new thoughts did you have? How did you discover the, the material now? Yeah, lovely. I, I, I wish, you know, people watching this could join, join in this sort of thing and experience it for themselves. I think in order to, to get something from that, like, you, you really need to just give yourself over to Jared's click, right? You, you, you can't have anything superfluous running on your head. You can't be trying to intellectualize what you, what you think panic and um, pacify and deceit is. You've got to just kind of have a feeling with it, and like, and like, try and connect it to the words, and, and and think like, I'm feeling this in this moment, like, and I'm really wanting to communicate that to these these people, you know, and like, I think it's just taking that um, from it. I th I think you know, it's slightly limited even, right? Just doing it on a screen or whatever, but like, just taking that into your impetus, it it kind of bleeds into your body and it affects you, you know, like it, it starts to affect you if you allow it, I guess. So. Uh, I confront, I dismiss, I apologize. Okay. okay. I confront, confront dismiss, apologize. I dismiss, okay. I apologize. Let's go confront, in a cycle dismiss, and just see what happens to the piece while being hmm. faithful to the actions of I confront, I dismiss, and I apologize. Dismiss, apologize. Okay. Okay. I confront, hmm. I dismiss. And I apologize. Correct. All right, give it a shot. This country, it's just monsters and it's dark out there. Sorry I didn't knock. I used the key. I know it's just emergencies and stuff, but I thought this might actually be a bit of, you know, and I was thinking, what if a knock tells? And you, and you see me and it's like shock, something like this, covered, but how do you know shock? When, you, when you're covered and you know, panics because the, the door slams at that door. If you let it go, I've forgotten the third one now. I apologize. I apologize. I, doesn't it, Danny? If, if you let it go, 
it, it slams back. So, so I was going to call out, but then I thought you'd shoot your fucking bricks and in your hell's, you know, condition and, and what you have, you don't need to shoot your fucking bricks in your I condition. And I don't mean that to sound in a patronising way, because it's not like you're ill. You, you're not ill, or like you're ill or something. It's not like that. But still, if you heard someone in the hall shouting out, you I would just shit your fucking... And that, that's not right. So, so, so I've been out there for about 15 minutes, really, not really knowing what to... I apologise. You know, do. Yeah. <laughs> 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 lovely, lovely. How, how um, was that experience for you in comparison to the first one? Um, it was nice, man. I, I think that's it. I think you need to be so nimble with um, with this sort of exercise, um, yeah. and like you need to let the, <laughs> let the last one go that you were in instantly to switch over. I, it's it's really really nice as an actor, right? It's really nice because <laughs> you quite often get set in a certain way, and you you're like. Oh, I quite like saying it like this. I quite like saying it yeah. sort of way or whatever. You, know? you discover and something what? new when you allow yourself oh, to, to just stumble upon a moment. And, and I'm looking mm -hmm. at some of the comments from a few of the people. And the, the interesting thing is that they are observing how these actions are affecting you emotionally, relationship, and physically. They're looking at mm. your eyes, like, you know, looking all around. And the action is triggering a response in you physiologically. Mm, mm. And all of that is received by the audience and interpreted as the subtext, right? And so mm. that's sort of the, the, you know, the whole connection here between subtext and actioning is to say, once you figure out what you believe the subtext to be, one of the many acting craft tools that an actor has at their disposal to bring that to life so that the subtext can be experienced by the audience is through picking the right action to deliver that message with crystal clarity because it affects everything about you, your emotions, your point of view, your body, your energy, your essence. No, that's good. And, and it's really interesting hearing some of those comments because yeah, totally, if you, I guess if you give yourself over to that, and I, th I think it's a hugely valid point, Jared, right? There is no right or wrong choices with this, right? And how I did it there, you know, people um, participating in this workshop right now, we might have done it completely differently to people, like there is no right or wrong, right? But um, but yeah, like I think um, it is. You just need to give yourself over to it, and you really surprise yourself. Like, I'm surprised to hear some of those comments because I yeah I didn't really know what was happening. You yeah, know, I, was, like, I was just trying to listen for the click. Confronting yeah. was brave. You know, right right into the eyes. Uh, what was the second one? I said confront and then um, dismiss. Mm, yeah, mm. just like brush it off as if it's, you know, not, not really important was the second one and then apologize. Yeah, and so you can mm. see how w when you were confronting, it wasn't just the way you were saying it. Your whole body came forward, right? You, it was mm. you. There was no obstacle between you and the other person. It was, it was a direct line mm. from you to them. That confrontation mm -hmm. really resonated. And the moment that you morphed into the next action, mm your whole point of view, your whole body, your whole energy and essence changed. And we, the audience, then look at those changes as the truth, the subtext beneath the spoken word. We hear what you're saying, but we experience the truth. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and, and I think we kind of touched on that a little bit earlier. Like the words that Liam, the character Liam is saying right now, they're kind of nonsensical. They're kind of neither here nor there a lot of the words, right? I mean, you get little windows in this thought process, but you're not quite getting too, too much from them because of all these commas, right? Um, and I, I think that's really, like, there's a quote from Stanislavski about the comma 
It says, love the comma because it can make people listen to you. You almost believe it's like a hand raised. Like, and one more thing, I'm not quite done yet. I'm not quite done yet. I'm not quite done yet. But I think what we're getting from Liam right now is he needs an outlet for like all this energy that's going on inside of him. He just doesn't right now in the play quite have the words to sort of share with his sister and with his sister's husband. Because of what, what he's just what happened, what he's right? What's just um, happened to you, right? Where you've just come from has triggered that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm and looking at. A, I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at one of the comments. I just wanted to uh, to address it from um, uh, Matthew um, Mateu. Um, so it says, for instance, to answer your previous question, if you want to convey a sense of anxiety, right, that state of being, you might choose to alert. Let's see. To uh, you might choose to alert to danger of something, for instance, so that you don't play the emotion. Yeah, so I'll sort of address that uh, backwards to say an emotion is not something that you work for. An emotion is something that you attain through an experience. We don't work to feel something. We have an experience and the result of that experience is the emotion. An emotion is something that you attain. If you as an actor are working to try to feel something, you're working to try to bring this emotion to life, it will always, it's like holding the stick with the carrot in front of you, you're never gonna be able to get it, right? It will always be elusive. We attain the emotion by working the craft. And so if I want to um, have the audience experience that I am in a state of anxiety He's saying I can choose to alert to danger, right? I alert to danger. I'm totally okay with that, right? If that action of I alert to danger pierces your heart and triggers in you an overall shift in your thoughts, your behavior, your energy that help you convey that sense of anxiety, then I alert to danger is a beautiful action, right? It's got to make sense to you. And so some of these actions, Adam, that, you know, that I threw out at you, some of them you understood and it made sense to you and you applied, but some of them felt really good. Some of them mm -hmm. felt like, oh, that one works in this piece. Those other ones I sort of get, but my, my response to that is not as intense as some of the other ones. And so you trust your mm -hmm. body because your body knows what to do before your head figures it out it's crazy right it is insane like and i think you just have to be so open to that right and and i feel like if you're just starting this this action and technique if you're starting to do it what might be holding you back is is possibly your, your yourself right maybe habit tensions that you might have maybe sort of being in your head a little bit sort of overthinking what what's being asked of you and i just hugely recommend it guys from a point of view of just doing it with jared there is just give yourself over to whoever's doing that actioning with you. Um, just completely trust them and, and just let them take you on that, that that journey sort of thing and try and put yourself out of the out of the equation. And, th and then you will make these discoveries, you will make these surprises, but you can't manufacture them. You can't have control of making these discoveries. And you're, you're right, Jared, like some of those did feel like, oh, that feels kind of good for, for Liam. That seems like it comes from a genuine place. Right. That seems like something I could use and explore later on. And, and maybe as I, I, I develop his character and I look at objectives and things like that, like, well, actually, you know, that dangerous side mm -hmm. to him, that mm -hmm. I confront thing, you know, on the, on the surface, you look at this and you think, here's this anxious guy who's, who's in a panicked sort of state and yeah. he's letting off some steam. But, but I actually know, like, he does have this sort of sinister, quite controlling side. That, that confront for me, when you shared that with me, 
I wouldn't have necessarily thought that, but it, it's it beautiful. hit for me. That's something I could choose, you know? Yeah. And so having the, the, the trust and the faith in the process to go explore these tools, it does two, I think it does two things. It opens you up to make new discoveries to the material that you would have never thought of before to help give you insights into how you may interpret it. Or two, it also may validate your initial interpretation of the piece. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if mm -hmm. I said to you, I want you to use the action of I flirt mm -hmm. and you and you were faithful and you did it, you would leave that mm -hmm. experience going, I, I did it, I get it, but that doesn't belong here at all. And yeah. your instinct yeah. to say this moment has nothing to do with uh, lightness and, and sensuality or playfulness. This is a deep, dark moment. And if I and that's my instinct. Right. And so if I try to impose some action that's on a lighter side then it validates your initial interpretation of the piece. So the explorations that we go on as we're just rehearsing and figuring out is all part of the process to help you make, make the ultimate decision about how you want to portray this character. You can't mm. go wrong from that perspective. We've had a couple of comments there. Noreen saying it's a really quick way of picking up this technique. It would work really well for an addition. Uh, Mathieu says, so you kind of have to be excited by the action that you choose. Well, oh yeah, well, yes and no, right? Like like the, the one that you choose to go with further, I guess, right? If you choose to sort of, that kind of works, you need to be excited by that one. But, but I guess in, in this exercise, Jared, would it be fair to say you're kind of playing and you're you're exploring and like you're seeing yeah, what right fits? Now, you're kind of trying yeah, things on? Adam, yeah, you're, you're spot on. Right now we're just exploring and playing. We're not working towards polishing a performance. But the comment of you have to be excited about a particular action in order to use it is probably pretty true that if mm. if the action just stays locked in your head and it doesn't pierce your heart or pierce your guts in a way, then pick up a thesaurus and find another uh, another word that's similar to what the intent is and explore that one to see if that one pierces your heart. Because the more you trust your body, the more that it excites and incites something in you, the more palpable the response will be from the audience's perspective. Great. And Noreen's comment about, you know, this could be something incredibly useful from um, an audition perspective. Uh, absolutely, yes, right? You're in an audition and you, you do your first interpretation of the piece and the casting director says to you, hey, I, I like what you did, but what I'd like to see is a little bit more assertiveness from you. You seemed a little bit too passive. I think that the character has a little bit more assertiveness to them. Can you do it again with a little bit more assertiveness? Well, without a craft tool, most actors are just going to try to be assertive. And it's going to be representational acting, and they're not really going to know what they're specifically doing. They'll do something that represents being assertive, but they're going to leave the audition feeling like, that one, didn't really, that, that one didn't really connect for me. But if you can very quickly take the direction and identify the action that marries that, so I assert, I confront, I teach, I lecture, I demand, I command. If you're faithful through actions that align with being assertive to you, then you'll be delivering those lines in an assertive way and you're gonna give the, the casting director that result-oriented direction that they've given you and you'll feel good about it too. Does that make sense? I, th I think it makes a lot of sense, Jared, but yeah, 100%. It is. And, um, 
hey, I, I think we don't know what stage you guys are at in your acting lives and your acting careers, but I can 100% guarantee that you're going to be throwing mm. some kind of curveball in an audition when you've had a certain idea and perception of a character. Yeah. And those casting directors and those people on the other side of the table have a completely different idea. And you have seconds to sort of change and adapt like 100%. So no, I think it's hugely, hugely valid. And you can yeah. see where this would be a useful technique in an audition situation. So I think, Jared, uh, we have just about five, ten minutes until we have to uh, finish up here. Off completely. Yeah. I know, I know, because Instagram Live cut us off last time. They just yeah. cut us, they chipped us out mid-sentence. Um, so um, I think it would be nice to talk about where these guys could maybe find some extra resources about this if they wanted to take this further, because we're only able to touch the surface in these workshops, yeah, these talks, sure. right? Um, for me, I, I, I got a huge, huge amount, actually, of really practical advice um, on subtext and um, there's some exercises in here about subtext and, and just in general like I love this book like uh, the complete Stanislavski toolkit by Bella Merlin like um, that one to me um, because Stanislavski his actual books are amazing and great as well but if you want like practical steps that you can apply almost sort of instantly with Stanislavski's techniques like, I'd highly recommend this one. Oh, Jared, what have you got there? What have you got in your hands there? Well, I, I got the, you know, the ABCs, the um, an actor prepared, oh. building a character, creating a role. And then I, I posted <laughs> the other day um, about um, Nick O'Brien uh, out of the UK. Gosh, some really, really wonderful Stanislavski work. He, he is able to, I think, really communicate in a very practical and attainable way. Um, how Stanislavski is still so very relevant. So there's a, a book and then um, part one, part two of the DVD series. Yeah, if you, if you, um, you look up Stanislavski in practice, you know, uh, online, you'll, you'll find his work. Uh, and that's Nick O'Brien, right? Do yeah, you have Nick O'Brien? Yeah. I'll put him in the crisis now and we've got, I mean, those absolute foundational benchmarks yeah. then the Stanislavski himself well, robot translated, obviously. And we've got Bella Merlin as well, if you guys are interested, just putting that in the chat just now. Um, so, and I, I've got to say as well, and I, I know you're like blowing your own trumpet with this, Jared, but Jared well, has hey, some... before you go there, I just want to, uh, yeah, <laughs> I just want to answer um, uh, Matthews. I'll get it in real quick. He says, can I elaborate yeah. on the qual on the qualifying? So it was I plus a verb, and then we can add, oh, yeah. you know, so, so uh, I confront um, aggressively um i carefully confront right you add an adverb of some kind into it in order to give it a really specific quality right so i uh, i apologize wholeheartedly right i i apologize honestly i apologize shamefully if you can qualify it a little bit it, it pierces your heart even further and then the next step after that is involving the other person in it Right, and so uh, Adam and I had this talk about about you adding the you into it as well. Right? Yeah. I wholeheartedly apologize to you, and so now instead of it just being unidirectional, it's bidirectional, and you're talking about objectives. Okay, great. No, great question. Back great question, Matthew. Yeah. Great, great question. Like, yeah, that's that's lovely. I, I really hope you take that further as well, Matthew, and yeah. add it to your uh, acting toolkit there. And and I, I was just saying, Jared is very humble about this, guys. But, but he has a, a, an amazing resource. Like, and I wholeheartedly, hugely recommend that you do check it out over on his. I mean, the best place is to probably scroll over his um, profile after this. Actors Approach Craft Technique Toolbox. 
and um, check out his website. He has uploaded how many hours of, of um, yeah, at, uh, at, at actorsapproach.com. There's a membership site, uh, 45 hours of acting craft training across 375 videos. Actions is one of many techniques that are inside the toolbox. And so I, uh, I, I welcome everybody um, to come check it out. Honestly, guys, like uh, it, it's very seldom that I'd, I'd mention anything else that any, anybody. Does, but you guys will get real, real value from this, one hundred percent. Like, uh, it's amazing. Just like for the, the membership, the amount of just wealth of things that, that, that you get on there. I, I just kept clicking and scrolling through. And, and there's this amazing because Adam and I have a, a great relationship. There's a special membership that has uh, the Unstoppable Acting Studio logo on it. So if you're going to uh, become a member through this and you like what Adam has to share, click on that one. Absolutely, absolutely. Noreen's been on there. Noreen's loving it as well. So well done, Jared. Great work, mate. Great work. Um, but um, that is us for tonight, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. We do hugely appreciate it. This is only our second one that we, we've, we've done of these. We are looking, Jared, right, to be doing this every two weeks. Different yes. piece of craft, different piece of acting technique that we'll be yep. picking apart, looking into. Um, so we really appreciate you guys staying the course with us. And uh, we really hope you got value and it's something that you can add to your acting toolkit. We've got, we've got a little thing to test the waters with, right, Jared? We've got something. We're thinking of a name for, for our like whole uh, Instagram Live slash we want to maybe do a podcast thing with this and stuff. And our name, I'll drum roll it, Jared, you can introduce it. Our name we're thinking of is... Two Guys Talking Craft. What do you think, people? Two Guys Talking Craft, what do you think? Is it a winner? It's a pun, come on. like. Yeah. I think puns stick in people's heads. I, I like it, Jared. I don't care. Yeah. These guys aren't quite there with it. I, don't, I, I mean, I like it. I really like it. <laughs> it's <laughs> a work in progress. Yeah, it's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's like hay bales, you know, just like... Right, so there we go. Um, yeah, we well, got thank you. <laughs> it's a winner. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Um, it's a winner, says Indra. Yes, Indra. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah. I want to be Instagram Live tonight. I don't want to be... Um, kicked off so let's let's yeah. try and beat, beat instagram yeah. live without kicking us off Adam, thank, thank you. you so much yeah. thank you Jared. Yeah. loved it as always loved thanks it so, everybody. oh people like it people like the name yeah. they like the name fantastic yeah. all right okay. thanks for joining us guys we'll be back in two weeks if you want to join us look out for announcements on what we'll be talking about next thank you wow. very much everybody thank you goodbye goodbye <laughs>